2: The Vox Media
0: Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck.
2: Yes, the iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Thank you for joining us. On this Thursday, we're back to video form. We're back to live form. Thanks to all of you who listened to the Thanksgiving edition of the program on the Podcast Network last week. But we're back to normal right here in the MA Fighting YouTube channel. Lots to talk about. We have less than an hour to talk about it because we have work. It is a great YouTube channel. We have work obligations at the top of the hour. So let's get to it. Let us introduce the panel first. Let us introduce the Exhibition King. Mr. No Gray Area himself, from No Bets Bard, Mr. Jed Mishu. Hello, my friend.
3: We have work obligations? What's going on at the top of the hour? Is is there fights this weekend, something like that? Well, it's it's a company thing. Oh, okay. Cool. Forgot all about that. All right, let's keep this tight.
2: Oh, okay. There you go. And back on the show, the incomparable social media director of MMA fighting, the man... With the greatest theme song in the history of MMA, Mr. New York Rick. Welcome back, sir.
1: Factual. Thank you for having me, Mike. As always, honored, thrilled to be here, a privilege to do this, and, and truly blessed to be able to sit here uh, with yourself and, and Jed today. So uh, thank you for having me, and uh, let's get to it.
3: Man, we're just friendlier than than Kevin Holland and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson right now. Just everybody's everybody's happy. That's good. Well, let's get into it. Let's start
2: (laughs) with what we didn't talk about on the show last week because we recorded it on Tuesday. And like the first sentence I said is that if something happens on Wednesday and we don't talk about it on the show, sorry. And something big happened on Wednesday. We did sort of react to it live as it happened. But that was for like 15 minutes or so. But this is now BTL. So we're going to get into it here because UFC 282 looks a lot different. The light heavyweight title picture looks a lot different. Yuri Prohashka injures his shoulder. He could be out for a bit. He is out of the UFC 282 main event with Glover Teixeira. He also vacated the light heavyweight title. Teixeira also out of the main event, and he's off the card in general. And now we will crown a new champion next Saturday, December 10th. It'll either be Jan Bohovich winning the title for the second time, or Magomed Ankalaev winning the title for the first time with this 10th consecutive victory. So, New York Rick, we will begin with you. Your reaction to the injury, the change, Yuri vacating the title, all of it.
1: Yeah. Um, don't know what to make of it. think the UFC was in a really rough spot Um they, they, I don't think there was a title fight to make here that was going to knock anybody's socks off or that, that they were going to come out looking like roses. I think the best option perhaps would have been uh, Jan versus Glover, uh, that rematch and had the most notable names Uh, but it seemed to me just based on on how this all shook out that they wanted magomed ankalaev in that fight and they got magomed ankalaev in that fight so ultimately i guess at the end of the day they achieved their goal don't expect it will do uh do too well on pay-per-view don't expect that this is one that people are rushing to uh to their televisions to order for me the the thing that i couldn't shake at the moment and still don't understand now um even after he has gone to instagram to explain it is why yuri prohaska vacated the belt it does not make sense to me um i understand you know there's a bushido warrior code kind of element that he alluded to but financially um you are now giving up the opportunity to be the champion which has financial implications just does not make sense to me francis Nganu also suffered a, a, a major injury and has been sitting on the sidelines with that belt around his waist so i don't quite um get that from yuri's perspective uh I, I see a lot of people who respect it. I get it. Great. Um, I'm happy that that worked out in his favor. Uh, but for me, that's the one that, that left me scratching my head. As far as the how the shakeup went, You know, it, it, they made the best in, in their mind of a bad situation and, and got what they needed. But I don't expect it'll be a huge pay-per-view.
2: Jed, what do you think? Because one thing, we did react to it pretty <laughs> much in the immediate aftermath once we actually confirmed this news. But Yuri vacating the title. And it depends on who you ask, because Dana White said, oh, my God, this is the worst shoulder injury I've ever seen in my entire life and the history of the UFC is going to be out for a long, long time. Yuri's being Yuri and saying, I'll be back in six months, bro, and I'm going to win the title back. So are you shocked eight days later after we reacted to this that he just decided to vacate the belt at this point? And how do you react to this whole situation a little over a week after we first talked about it?
3: I'm not shocked. Because I don't have any inside information. This is just me reading between the lines and far be it for me to make accusations. I strongly, strongly feel that Yuri probably didn't vacate the belt entirely of his own accord. Um Rick's right. There this is they didn't have a great backup option for a main event here, frankly. Like just straight up. We talked about it in the immediate aftermath. Uh, and that's on the UFC. Like, frankly, they put together a fragile card or a fragile, you know, a main event between some guys who, I mean, Yuri is young, but also trains like a maniac. And injury is probably not, like, entirely uh, unheard of to happen. And Glover's 50, so, it, like, that. there's a fragile main event and they didn't have anything to back it up and they were hoping to roll the dice and get lucky, and they didn't. Uh, if this card had a second title fight, I strongly doubt that Yuri Prohashka would be without a belt at this moment. If the, if the co main event was not Ankaliya versus Jan, it, then Yuri would still have the belt because they would just elevate whatever the other title fight is on this and there's still a belt at the top. They didn't have that option. They clearly didn't want to do an interim belt for whatever reason. Um, I, I would, that's the part that is, is strange to me is that they didn't just want to do an interim belt. Cause it is not like they are opposed to that in general, but you know, here it is. Uh, I agree with Rick. They should have done, should have just been young Glover. Like this is, and you're talking to the driver of the Magma and Ankalyev is the best light heavyweight in the world bandwagon. Like it's doesn't matter in, in this. He's young. He'll get a title fight. He'll fight the winner of this fight, but the two most markable names, it's a championship rematch. You can sell it. They're the one in two ranked guys in the UFC's rankings. Like it's them being so insistent that uncle I've gets it is it's all just very weird. Cause it is not like, well, I believe he's the best light heavyweight in the world. Nobody cares. Like there is not a soul alive. Who's like, I got to tune in Magomed's fighting. So what is the rush to get him the belt a- at this juncture? So it's very weird. Uh, like all of the little pieces of it are very odd. But if you had just told me Yuri got hurt, this is not at all surprising that this is the outcome because they got to try and sell pay-per-views, you know, got to hit that into your quota.
2: Yeah. And that's the thing for me. And I'll go back to you, New York, Rick. We're talking about how this is probably not going to do spectacular numbers on pay-per-view. And there's been a lot of conversation about some of the different reports I know gear mates spoke with Glover and he gave his side. Ariel reported as well that they offered Glover the ankle fight. He said, no, I'll fight Jan though. We'll just do the rematch and make sense. You got a story there. And I feel like that was probably the best of the situations you can make. Is it like a 200,000 by swing doing Glover Yan two over Jan versus ankle No, but it's probably a more compelling fight because most fans know who both of these guys are. Ankolev is just getting on the radar and I think Ankolev probably beats both of those guys at this point but all in all is this the right main event or should they have gone with what Glover wanted let's just do the rematch I'll fight him you get to keep me on the card keep him on the card Ankolev you just fight the winner
1: Yeah I mean <clears throat> like Jed I'm kind of reading the tea leaves here and it seems like for whatever reason they wanted Magomed Ankalaev in this fight so ultimately, yeah, it was the right call because they got that outcome, right? They were able to convince Jan to take the fight. Um, just one thing for for clarity, so everybody is on the same page. Uh, Glover did say no to Ankolaev in uh, December, but he said yes to Ankalaev in January if they were right. able to shift that fight to Brazil. Um, they weren't willing to. They needed a fight for this card. Understandably so. They, they need something because uh, otherwise this card is probably cancelable without even this fight. Uh, to be honest, maybe maybe this is cancelable even with this fight. Um, but regardless, yeah, I mean ultimately if I'm looking at it from the UFC's perspective for some reason or another, they wanted Magomed and Kalaev in this fight. They got it and they have at least half of Yo- the Jan Glover uh, equation and have a name that some that some people know, a former champion in Jan, uh, fighting on Kalaev. So they, they got what they wanted ultimately. Obviously it's not ideal scenario. They would have wanted Yuri and uh, Glover to run it back, but Magomed Ankalaev is now fighting for the title for whatever reason or another. They wanted that desperately, and now they've got it. So um, yeah, they've they've got what they wanted. I don't to your point. I don't know how much of a swing in pay per view sales the fight between uh, Glover and Yan does anyway. So let's just keep the train moving. Get get who we want in this title fight, and then move on from there. So yeah, mission accomplished.
2: Jed, do you feel like with the way? Glover has handled all this and the way the UFC handled all this. Do you feel confident that Glover to will fight for the light heavyweight title in
3: 2023? Uh, no, <laughs> it's not even, not even a little bit. Um, I'm not confident, like it's 50 50, frankly. Uh, because if Yuri's right, like if Yuri's gonna come back in six months, which isn't impossible, like we genuinely don't really know what's wrong with him, you know, he messed up his shoulder. And, like, while that may have long term lingering side effects, it also maybe was still something you can come back from in, you know, middle of next year. So Glover is, I would assume, first in line uh, if Yuri is out for an extended period of time. But they fight in December. If Yuri's like, hey, I'm ready to go International Fight Week, then Glover's waiting. And then Glover's going to be like 40 five by the time he gets a title fight or they're just going to make him fight somebody else. Uh So no, I have no confidence that'll happen. It's probably slightly more likely than not, but it's absolutely wouldn't shock me in the least. uh If it didn't, let me throw this one out to you guys. Cause I was thinking about this earlier. And since we were just talking about the pay-per-views, this would be, this is not something the UFC would have done, right? Like I, I'm willing to engage with that idea immediately, but, what if they just put Patty Pimblett in the main event like that? That's probably better than this fight in the main event from a buy standpoint, isn't it?
1: I mean, it's probably,
3: I, you I give think him th- two weeks to just get out or I uh, at the time, two weeks, to just get out in front of pre- like the press and just yell about blowing the roof off the gaff, etc. cetera. Like it feels <laughs> like that does cause this ain't going to do shit.
1: I think the Jan margins versus Magomed is
3: doing nothing
1: for agreed. Me. The margins here are really small, but you've already got Patty on the card. He can already do the, the pre-fight hype and, and the buildup. The UFC has a thing where they want title fights in their main events, unless get it's Patty, Connor. Well, <laughs> unless doing. it's unless it's Connor, unless it's Nate Diaz, maybe even Jorge, you know, there's, there's certain uh, <clears throat> fighters that they'll, that they'll let get away with that. They want a title fight in their main event. This made sense to me. I don't understand why not interim. They've done this many times. That that would have made a lot more sense to me. Um, and I just want to circle back. I'm even less confident than Jed is that Glover Teixeira is going to get a title shot. If Anthony Smith or Jamal Hill make a statement in their fight, I could see him getting skipped by them. I could see Yuri coming back and getting right back in there. I'm really not confident at all that Glover is going to be fighting for the title again. Otherwise, they would have put him in this fight. If their, if, their, if their motive was to get Glover an opportunity and put him in a title fight, they had one lined up for December 10th that they could have done, or they could have even done it in January in Rio if they gave him of then. So I don't think they're motivated at all to put Glover back in a title scenario. I think even this fight with Yuri was a last hope resort for this uh pay-per-view they were dying to put john jones or francis and or somebody else in the headline slot uh so yeah i don't like glover's chances to be honest and that's that's quite unfortunate
2: last well, thing I'm on saying, this let's just oh, get
3: patty pimblet in the intercontinental lightweight belt just make one make another belt there's no reason to have one belt in every weight class have an infinite number then you solve this problem
2: yeah, the North American title just be like AEW and just have eight hundred. It'd titles. be really
3: funny for Patty Pimblett to win the North American lightweight title <laughs> by beating Jared <Jerry laughs> freaking Gordon. That would honestly be incredible. Just do that; it'd be way better. I think like that would just do so much better because casual people wouldn't know. Be like, oh, Patty. I know Patty Pimblett. He's fighting for a belt. It doesn't matter what the belt is. Just make him do it. That's hilarious.
2: Last thing on this, and I'll, and I'll start through New York, Rick, because this is not going to do great on pay-per-view normally, Because, but what the UFC pay-per-view model has become is it's become WrestleMania, where it's the UFC, they're on pay-per-view, we're going to, most people are going to buy it anyways, like, they have built their brand enough. It's not like the PFL charging 50 bucks, and we're like, hmm, we're thinking about it. Most people are just going to buy it anyways because it's the freaking UFC on pay-per-view, so we're never going to know the answer to this, Rick, but 300,000
1: over under. Oh, man, way under, way under. To to pull back the curtain a little bit, uh, talk about how the sausage is made. The UFC is not incentivized to stack pay-per-views or at least every single pay-per-view, right? They're not incentivized to to stack every single pay-per-view. They're incentivized to stack certain pay-per-views. Um, But they're not incentivized to stack every single pay-per-view because ESPN provides them a floor, right? ESPN has purchased the right to be the sole provider of UFC pay-per-views. They provide the UFC with a floor baseline number of pay-per-view sales. When the UFC exceeds that, when they have a great event, that's when the UFC is able to participate and reap the rewards of of that. But ultimately, their motivation is to put on 12 to 13 pay-per-views a year some of them to be gangbusters. You get your Connor, you get your Francis, you get John Jones, whoever those stars may be, but the rest of them, you really just have to get there. And it's the same thing with the fight nights where you just have to get 50 plus uh, per year. So I don't think this does even close to 300,000 buys, but I don't think the UFC is particularly hard up to to make it happen. I think they're willing to sacrifice this one, move on to the next one and hope that maybe they can but put something on Rio to bump it up because that one's not looking amazing as a pay-per-view product either. Um, and then by the time February, March, April rolls around, they've got some really good fights coming up. So I think that's probably the the thought process. But yeah, they're not incentivized to make this a banger at all.
2: What do you think, Jed? Because we sometimes we look at these pay-per-views and we're like, oh, this is really top-heavy. It's a two-fight card. And the rest of the main card isn't great. The main event here. Is somewhat compelling. It's not a draw, but the rest of the main card has a lot of name value. And there's some really good fights on this main card. Bryce Mitchell, Ilya Taporius, is ridiculous. Patty Pimblett's obviously a star. Darren Till, Drake is Duplessis, interesting fight. Ponce Nibio, Robbie Lawler could be fun or it could be kind of sad no, at the end of it. Sad. So, wh- what do you think? Like over under 300,000. You think this does worse or you think 300 is maybe a baseline?
3: 300, pretty close to the number. If you said over under 250, I'd take over. Um, a lot of what Rick said is mostly right. Um, so the the one thing I will quibble with is the baseline number that ESPN pays them is for is to my understanding uh, rolled over year year versus year based on an average of the previous year's pay per view sales. So you average it out. They did 12 pay per views. Here's what you average. So in in broad strokes, certainly you just want to have some peak moments because then they get the extra, everything else pays out at the baseline. But if the UFC is just baseline selling more, then that baseline from ESPN also correspondingly moves up and they get more money. Theoretically, that should incentivize the UFC to be better about their pay-per-views. That hasn't historically been like the most accurate part of this. They've mostly just been like, yeah, cool, I'll take what I've got and we'll move on. But there is certainly some... It, in some incentive to do so particularly with this one where you can you have your 11 previous months of pay-per-views you know where your average revenue is set at now and you can see a market line to determine here's how many buys we need to up to this plateau to x plateau to z plateau so there is some incentive to actually make this one a little bit better uh I don't know. I, I don't think that they are attempting to do that, if we're being honest. Like, they just did. The, here, that Here's where we're at. As far as this, though, like, I still think, I think 200 to 250 is the baseline for them at this point. I mean, Demetrius Johnson, when the UFC was less popular than it is now and not an ESPN property, DJ was pulling 150, you know, and as, like, the least marketed and l- beloved by fans, but not by, like, the broader pay-per-view buying public. He was still doing, you know, 50, you know, 150. So I, I think we're probably looking at 2 to 250 as the baseline. And you put Patty Pimblin on this, uh, you put Robbie Lawler, you put Darren Till, and you have a something at the top. I think that that's enough to get us to about the 300 range. I think that's a pretty good number. So that that's my guess. But like, we're never going to know, and it's not going to really matter for any for all intents and purposes because this is the world we live in now.
1: The, the one thing I'll add to that is, <clears throat> yes, that number was was true for Demetrius Johnson back then, and the UFC is more popular now, but pay-per-view is down now. Pay-per-view is a harder sell now. Those numbers are smaller. They've shrunk since the peak uh, when Conor was fighting and and UFC was at its peak as a pay-per-view product. Those numbers are smaller now. And, and that's across the board, whether it be boxing, whether it be MMA, pay-per-view is, is a more difficult space um, than it was back then.
3: I have no idea. So if if Rick says, (laughs) I believe him.
2: Yes. Well, the good news is whether you spend the 75 bucks on this card, or if you don't want to spend 75 bucks on the card, we will have you covered. We will have you covered UFC 282 watch party going down next Saturday. So you could. we will keep you posted. We will try to entertain you for the entirety of that main card. But speaking of pay-per-view, we will stick around there. The points.
3: There's no way I buy this for $75.
2: I mean you might I mean you have to.
3: I will I would be worried, but if I'm just a fan, like a couple of weeks before Christmas, I gotta buy gifts for the fam and stuff. I'm gonna drop a <laughs> drop 75 bucks on this. Come on. <laughs> well if I got the whole card for 75, sure, five fights. One of them is terrible. No, I'm not, watching. I'm not paying 75 <laughs> for this thing.
2: Well, maybe you can pay for it with BTL points. The point for round one yeah. goes to Listen to that, Ed Bichoux, It's one to nothing. All
0: right. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May seventeenth, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov, and Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
2: On Friday... Quality sound effects. Hey, listen, I can't do the iconic voice, but I can make up sound effects. Friday, this past Friday, six days ago, we had the PFL World Championship. They went to pay-per-view. I'm still scratching my head with this decision to not only go to pay-per-view but charge $50 for this pay-per-view. But for those who actually bought it and watched it legally, and even if you watched it illegally, I don't recommend you do that. But if you did, you, it exceeded your expectations more than likely. Most of the fights delivered in some way. We had some finishes. Obviously, the card ended in a pretty surprising way. So I'm going to start with you, Jed, because we were covering it on Friday. We've had some time to sort of digest all of this you're going to be professor Michoud right now and you're grading the PFL's first pay-per-view event. What grade are you giving it?
3: A minus. Um, you could convince me for an a, if you came to, you know, my after hours and made an argument, you you could talk yourself up to an a, but a minus for sure. Um, look, nine out of 10 things that happened here were great. Like they, they, we were very critical going in. I stand by literally everything I said. It was all correct. I have no notes on my own performance pre this pay-per-view. Uh, but it, every, most everything broke right for them, right? You know, uh, A number of finishes kept the fight time from ballooning for the main card. Um, a lot of good storylines. A couple of duds, but you're just going to get that with any fight promotion you put things... My only real, I say that almost everything was good. My only negatives, the reason it's an A minus, not an A plus or an A, is <clears throat> one, uh, you just didn't need the Aspen Lad Julia Bud on the main like that. Just that, especially that, that's just not it. Like you just that didn't need to be there. Uh, it it didn't fit just because everything else was like a serious championship fight, and that was not a million dollar fight. Mm-hmm. So. I stand by that critique prior uh, the main event, which I'm sure we're going to get into. So I won't talk too deeply on this, the outcome there, not ideal for them promotionally, but set aside. And then I'm going to dock you points for having commercials um, on a pay-per-view. And I was told by several people that the UFC does this. That's cool. Two wrongs don't make a right. If I'm paying $50 to $75 or any set amount of money to watch your televised product, Don't give me fucking commercials like that's just bullshit in in the and and I'm using the hard language because it is because you're you are milking me for all of the money you possibly can and that disdain for a fan base really rubs me wrong. You do product placement or this is PFL presented by corn nuts corn to the core. Cool. But to literally run an ad during this thing bothered the hell out of me and it docks them a full half a point. Down to the minus instead of just a clean A.
2: New York Rick, you were there, man. You're probably hobnobbing with the fans out there. They're probably all lining up to ask for your autograph, take selfies, if you will. How, how do you how do you grade the card having been there in person?
1: Oh, yeah, it was there was a lot of autograph signing. Um uh, it will maybe we start there. In-person experience, it's an it's an A plus. Um, the Hulu Theater is a great venue.
3: PFL puts on a good show live. PFL puts on a good
1: show. It was a great night of fights. So I'm A plus live experience. If I'm grading the overall package of what PFL presented, it's a B maybe. Um, And I'll say that with, it's probably an A or even an A plus. They're they're one folly and I don't have a problem with Ladd and uh, and Bud on pay-per-view. I don't even have a problem with pay-per-view commercials. My sole problem is the fact that it was on pay-per-view altogether. Because this could have been a business card for the PFL. This could have been their event that everybody watched on ESPN or ESPN Plus and said, wow, I didn't know there was this competitor product to the UFC. And what I think their advantage is over Bellator and even one to a certain degree is that they're not just doing MMA fights, right? There's a structure to it. There's a different, you can, there will be some people who are critical of the tournament format, certainly. And I understand it but it's different. And I think that's important. And I think that that creates a, a level of separation between them the U, them and the UFC that is important right now, because quite frankly, like Bellator is just UFC light at this moment, and it's not really cutting it. So PFL having a different product that they could have exposed to their fans and shown their champions getting million dollar checks and been able to tell their storyline about Larissa and, and Kayla um, is something that would have had long lasting effects for them as a promotion and put them in front of uh, a lot of people that would have been repeat viewers and they blew it because I don't expect that this pay-per-view did really well. Um, So it was, it was a high mark for me as, as an event, as what the fighters were able to deliver from a live experience. And it goes all the way down to a B for the sole fact that they put this on pay-per-view when they had an opportunity to do something really significant for their promotion
2: and they screwed it up by not taking my idea of just throwing a curveball on Friday and be like, look, you're the best fans in the world. We're either going to knock this down to like, just buy, if you have a subscription to ESPN plus, you get it for free. Or we talked to the, to the head honchos. We're going to put this baby on ESPN. You would have got so many more fans by making that decision. And so many more people would have applauded you and would have tuned into the card, but all in all for the action, which transpired, it exceeded expectations. No doubt about that. But the big story, it will go back to you, Rick Larissa Pacheco beats Kayla Harrison. We've talked about it. We've reacted to it. You have talked about it. You've reacted to it. We've hit this from all angles, but the last thing I want to say about this, we're just running this one back, right? Like this Chris cyborg idea, all this, this isn't even a thing right now.
1: Is it? It's a, the, the one caveat to this is it really is in Larissa's court, right? Larissa is the champion. And she has the opportunity to do a super fight with Kayla. If she wants it, she has the opportunity to go back through the season, defend her title in a season format. Um, so the ball is in, her, in her court a little bit on how this plays out and, and what Kayla's next move is. Cause we know based on what we heard from Kayla Harrison and the PFL, this was her last time through the tournament. Right. And they're not doing 155 pounds anymore. So, um, there will be super fight cards or, or super fights on other cards that are happening. And that's where uh, Kayla Harrison will will have her final two fights. So it's a little bit in Larissa's court to say, okay, I'm willing to do it at this point against Kayla and and rematch her. Or maybe she says, you know what? I want to go back through the tournament and uh, give somebody else an opportunity and defend my title and do it that way as opposed to in a super fight. So that's the one caveat I'll say best for business for both Larissa, for Kayla, for everybody involved, uh, is to run it back, and it seems like based on both of their comments after the fight, they both spoke to Ariel as well that they want to do it, uh, and it'll be it'll be in PFL's best interest to do that. So yeah, I would I would put any cyborg talk on hold for now. Quite frankly, if I'm cyborg, I'm not that interested in this fight anymore. I think Kayla's undefeated um, record was the thing that would have had the most intrigue for me if I was cyborg. I would just run back Larissa and Kayla uh, for a fourth time, and I've long said I've said this a million times across many different uh, platforms. If you have the two best in your organization, I don't care about new opportunities for other fighters. Put the two best in there every single time. I will watch Figueredo and Moreno every single time. I'll watch Alex and Izzy every single time. And I will watch Kayla and Larissa every single time. So run it back, give it to the fans. That's what we need to do.
2: Agree with this, Jed.
3: Hmm. I don't know. It's a little more complicated. I think, uh, I, I think that that is what's going to happen. Let's start there. Right. Uh, for a lot of the stuff Rick said, uh, the PFL certainly is going to believe that this is probably their best path forward. Uh, it's probably best for Pacheco and Harrison certainly wants it. I think there's a good argument to maybe not. Uh, and, and I know that that's going to be a little controversial, but here, here's my line of thought, right? One, you're going to have to pay Pacheco. Like, I don't know the terms of her contract. They just changed because if I'm her and the PFL is like, Hey, we're going to run this back. I'm like, cool. I would like a million dollars to fight this fight again. And they're going to be like, no. And I'm going to be like, all right, I'm going to not fight this fight. And I will enter the next year's tournament because at the end of that, there is a million dollars that I will win because Aspen lad sucks ass. So, Pacheco has some bargaining power here. She'll be like, I just won't do it. I will, I'd rather do this thing. There's a million-dollar prize at the end of it. You are going to have to give me a million dollars to forego this tournament to fight this woman because you're 145 division, let's just say I feel pretty good about my chances to run the table there and do this again. At which point, the PFL can either say, here's your bag of money, go fight her, go fight Kayla, or they'll be like, Kayla, can you hang around and fight in the thing, and we'll do this at the end of this tournament again? Kayla's got two fights in her contract. She's not going to do that shit because she wants the the freedom that comes with being a free agent and being able to to move and leverage yourself. So they're just going to have to pay Pacheco to do this. And I don't know the PFL's appetite to pay her a bunch of money. But again, if I'm if I'm Pacheco's manager, I'm settling for nothing less than, than a million dollar check to fight this woman. That's it. There is no ifs ands or buts about it for me. Uh so I don't know I don't know how they're going to feel about that, which frankly may be part of the reason you saw uh the PFL dude still post to Cyborg an interest in that fight. Totally agree with Rick. Cyborg's lost interest. Uh I didn't think Cyborg ever was interested and now she has a great excuse to never fight Kayla Harrison. And that's not to say Kayla Harrison beats her, though I think she would have. It's there's Kay Cyborg has a, an interesting sense of herself uh, and her her value as it's stardom in this sport and she wants to do other things and she just doesn't want to fight Kayla Harrison because it feels like an affront to her personally or whatever her reasons are. She never really wanted that fight in the first place. Uh, she's going to pretend that she won the fight that never happened as we saw from her tweets post fight and now she never has to fight her. That fight is never ever happening. I, I feel pretty good about saying that at this at this stage. So there's not a ton left. Like there's not much else for them to do because what are you going to run Julia Bud versus versus Kayla Harrison now? Like that fight maybe would have mattered before Bud just lost to Ladd. So I think the PFL ultimately is just going to have to pay Pacheco. I'm not sure that it's a good fight for Harrison to take at this moment in time. Harrison said that she just didn't perform and that may be true. And it was a close fight. It was a good fight. That was not the way any of us thought that if Pacheco was going to win, she was going to win. I think the universal opinion was Pacheco caught her on the feet. If she was going to get the dub, she didn't. She just worked her ass, and that's it. Like it just, they fought real hard for twenty minutes, and when push came to shove, Pacheco dropped him on the table and was like, "Mine are bigger. I'm going to win this five, this last five, and I'm going to win this million dollars." And Harrison had nothing in the tank for it. And you heard her talk after saying she was a lot more physical. I haven't fought her in three years. She improved a ton. I am not saying that Kayla Harrison is a bad fighter and maybe she just had an off night happens to everybody. And that was a long season, tough fights, etc. I don't know that I feel confident that she wins uh, an immediate rematch. And this is not a catastrophic loss for her. She can rebound and rebuild. If she loses two, that is a, that gets real bad in a real big hurry for her and everything she wants to be in and accomplish in this sport. I would personally say it's probably better for her to take some time. I know she gets time anyway because of the PFL tourney structure or how their seasons work. It might be better for her to say, you know what? I'm not going to fight her next spring. I'm going to take some time with my kids. I'm going to train. I'm going to improve because as much as she has improved in general as an MMA fighter, I have all, there has always been a question in my head, which I feel like maybe got answered a little bit in that fight of, How much can you really improve when you're the best person in the room and you know you're just better than everybody? Like, you can, but I feel like this will push her to be like, shit, I got to work harder because I'm no longer just dump trucking these women. I just got beat. I got beat in a bad way. And it's not one that she can shake off as I got caught. It's I got consummately beat. So I think she should take some time. And if they want to run this fight back next summer, next fall, that's probably a lot better for Harrison, but I don't know how that's going to work for anybody's timelines, frankly.
2: Best of five would be interesting here, especially if Larissa wins the next one, everything on the line for, for game five, fight five, I guess that'd be fun. That'd be fun. Yeah, it'd be
1: fine. I was just going to say it's, it's a logistical problem. It's not really a fight problem. It really truly is a logistical problem. When their season starts, they're going to have to make a decision. And Larissa is going to have to make a decision. Is she in the tournament? Is she waiting for a Kayla Harrison super fight sometime in the middle of the year? Maybe Kayla fights somebody else. And now she's waiting for a fight at the end of the year. It's truly a logistical problem based on the fact that the PFL has a season um, and is trying to supplement it with these super fights. So Pacheco I don't know what's your bag, happen.
3: girl. But yeah, you do not fight her for less than seven hundred thousand dollars.
1: As I started with the ball is in her court. She's in control of this scenario, not Kayla Harrison, not the PFL. She has all the leverage. She's, she's the one who did what nobody thought she would be able to do. And now she can reap the <clears> rewards <throat> of that and she should be paid accordingly. Let's be, uh, let,
3: I want to, cause you threw this out, Mike, if Pacheco wins the re like the, the Tetralogy, like I get like, they probably would do a fifth fight. Would you have any interest in that fight? Cause I frankly, if Pacheco wins the fifth, I, I don't think I care. Like at that I'd point, watch, it just I'd feels watch like, the hell out
2: of it. I mean, it's literally I mean, do or like it's literally do or die for Kayla. Like, if she, I, mean, I,
3: I, I guess I'd watch. I would just feel confident that Pacheco's better than her now because it's not oh, like.
1: What did there, you have there
3: was a three-year gap between this fight? You could at least pretend like, well, she was twenty-five when they fought. She's twenty-eight. Pacheco can now have been improved significantly. Like that—that's a selling point. If they fight, she beats her in November, and she beats her in may and then they do a fifth fight in december or whatever like i would just feel confident pacheco wins so like that just there's not the time that i feel like that needs i agree with you
1: i agree with you to an extent but i'd throw back something you mentioned which is kayla harrison is very very young in her mma career and hasn't really fought the alphas really hasn't fought the best fighters in the room and now she's facing them and if she fights pacheco again she's getting more experience against somebody who can beat her and can push her um i would like to see it personally like i'm not predicting Uh, if i if i'm thinking right now i would i would assume kayla harrison wins a fourth fight that's my personal feeling on that fight i think she will and would win a fourth fight but if she lost it i'd be willing to see it a fifth time obviously this depends look if she comes out there and starches her and, and it's really bad maybe we can put that on hold but kayla, kayla harrison does not have the reps she does not have the fights and now she's finally getting them at a level that is beyond the the filler content that she's been getting to this point point. and i'd be okay seeing how that evolution looks in a fifth fight personally
3: maybe yeah. I, well, I need th- to see the fourth to see how it looked i guess really If it looked like this one, then sure. But if it's just like, actually, Pacheco is still getting better and Kayla's just behind. I'm with it. They also don't have anything else to do. (laughs) They don't have any other fights to make with her.
2: Well, for the interest of time, we will move on. The point for round two goes to... I got to say, it was going to Jed, but New York Rick countering back. Jed asking that last question... New York Rick sneaks it out. man. Nah, 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 nah. It's one-to-one. Nicely done. So, I wanted to talk about something that we mentioned last week on the podcast. Got a little cooking. Cooked a little more well done on the MA Hour on Monday. Alex Pereira versus Hamza Shemaev. Things got a little more interesting on Monday. Shemaev has been challenging Alex Pereira since UFC 281 ended. Pereira goes on the MA Hour. He and his coach reveal that They have let the UFC know that they are in to fight Hamzat Shumayev at UFC 283 in Rio at 205, but they claim that Shumayev didn't want it. Now, I'm told from somebody from Shumayev's side, the exact quote was absolute bullshit, but also Pereira puts out a bet to Brendan Schaub, who basically said that Shumayev will dump truck Pereira. 50K for the fight. Another 50K, Shumayev won't take him down in the first 30 seconds. Schaub is in. Shumayev... Also wants to throw some money at this. So, New York Crick, with all this happening on Monday, are you interested in this happening? Like, I doubt it does. Although, like we talked about earlier, 283 could use a little bit of a boost if we're being honest. Are you interested in this fight at 205?
1: I'm interested in this fight, whatever weight those two want to walk into the cage together. Let's do it. Um, there's not a lot of interesting challenges for Hamzat, in my opinion. Um, I think. The dude's gonna walk through nearly everybody at 85 and nearly everybody at 70. so why the hell not he's the 85 pound champ hamza chamaya fights at 179 or whatever weight class he's actually in uh let's do it in rio brendan schaub in the corner with the with the stack of cash ready to throw it in in the <laughs> ring uh if it ready to throw it in the cage if he uh loses i'm all in uh ufc 283 needs needs a boost desperately it really needs a, a, a headline attraction um that it doesn't have right now and Hamza shamaev's name and alex's name right now uh means a lot so yeah well, why not let's just have some fun this is this is old school mma this is this is pride this is the weird stuff that um got me into this sport so let's just do it i don't care I, meritocracy has been dead for years so i really don't care about people skipping lines and opportunities and this that there's no titles on the line so who cares um, because it's at 205. Let's just have let's just have some fun in Rio. Let's do it. Two big names headlining that card. Uh and if I'm if I'm a betting man, I, I'm probably with uh Shab and, and Hamzad on this side of the fence uh in terms of those takedowns.
2: Jay, we talked about this if you're in Pereira shoes defending that title against Shemaya. If you probably just don't even want to think about that right now, but now yeah. he's re raising and just bumping it up away class 205. I might be injured, but I'll do this at 205. Are you more interested in this idea now that there's no titles, no nothing, we're just having two dudes who seemingly have an issue and they're just going to fight for the sake of fighting up away class on a pay-per-view?
3: No, I'm not more interested in it, certainly. I'm probably a little bit less. If they, I, Don't get me wrong. Still watch the hell out of it. Uh, although I do hate the fact that somehow Alex beheda and Hamzat will have made me agree with Brendan Schaub on like anything uh, because Hamzat will, will take that man down with, with alacrity. Uh, honestly, at two of five, I just have very, my appetite is, is lessened. Still going to tune in, still going to watch it. I'm down for the freak show weirdness of it all. Uh, and I don't give a shit about meritocracy because meritocracy also involves you being interesting and Leon Edwards needed to be interesting and he never was. And then he got here and good for him to capitalize, but could have been faster if you were just better at being interesting. And for whatever reason, Hamzat Shemaev is interesting. And so if he gets it, cool. My issue is doing this at 205 means that if and when Hamzat wins, we just have to redo it at 185, which is a waste of everyone's time and energy. It is not about, like, I don't have any issues if they just said, my belt is on the line, but we're going to weigh 200 or whatever. Cool, like, that'd be fine for me. It's just, there is no... it. Hamza will win this fight. Like, if they fight, I feel pretty good about Hamza beating Alex Pereira. And when he does, the next fight is just a rematch at 185. And it's not like cutting weight will help freaking Pereira. It's not like that's going to make him better. He's the enormous one. Hamzad is big, but he is not as big as Pereira. So it will just be like less good for him to go de- to have to suck himself out to get to 185. So that's my only quibble with it. Otherwise, hell yeah, roll it. If he wants to do it, uh, 283 needs something. Because uh, God love Davis Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. that that ain't carrying a, a marquee show. Like watch you, your
1: mouth. You need watch to. your mouth.
3: This ain't man. I'm sorry. It's just I love them. I love them. Their fights have been awesome. They are one of the few people. I am not like Rick. I don't need to see the same dudes fight over and over and over again. I didn't need Max Holloway versus Volk a third time. Felt pretty good about where that thing we got a third. If somehow we got a fourth, I would hate it because I've seen this story before. This one, it's new, it's different every time. I'll watch them fight 100 times because they're all bringing new things to the table every time out. That still just ain't going to do it. And then what What else is backing that up? The ghost of Shogun Hua getting carried out in the casket? Like You need something, and maybe this is it. Uh, and so I'm cool with it. It's just going to be really lame when Hamzat wins and is the best middleweight in the world but doesn't have the belt. And then it's just like, also Izzy, what are you doing now? You got to hang out
0: because
3: we're gonna have to do this fight again at middleweight. Go fight Bob again.
1: It's it lame. I'd watch it again. That one too. Um, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I, don't get, I don't give uh, a shit. Watch that <laughs> again. Izzy, it is, Izzy it is. beat
3: that man's ass for, for what? What's that? Thirty-five minutes. It's fine.
1: It I know so, who wins. It is so much cooler. For Hamzat to be an uncrowned champion and the specter of Hamzat to loom over the 170 and 180 five pound divisions where everybody just assumes he'd be champion and isn't champion. I think that's so much cooler. I think going up to 205 and not having a belt and not mattering is so much cooler because Hamzat becomes the de facto champion at. 170 and 185 because everybody just assumes he smokes everybody. I mean, it's not different from now because that's, that's kind of the position Mm -hmm. I'm in where I think he smokes everybody. But I think it'd be cool if he did that. Like if
3: he fought Izzy at 205, it's just going to log jam the shit out of everything. If he goes up and this is the Hamzat show We're we're
1: we're just, this is the Hamzat show. That's all I care about is what's up with Hamzat. The the one thing I'll lob out there is, is this Brendan Schaub's greatest contribution to MMA somehow getting (laughs) Alex pissed off enough that now he's countering is hums it, out and making bets and it's seeming actually feasible.
3: What is the Number other two? option? <laughs> I can't I think, I can't think of one good thing he's contributed. So by default, by default, this is the, this is at least this is a genuinely interesting thing, which is not something I've ever said about Brendan Shaw before. So I dig it. Thanks, Brendan. Hey, yeah. Broken clock, right? Twice a day. There you go.
2: Well, we'll move on. Uh, this could. We'll see if this becomes a thing. Who the hell knows? Um, and we'll see how fans Seems react unlikely. To it. It's probably not going to happen. Believing
3: but... that, that Hamza Shemaev is going to fight somebody when he just calls out every person alive, every chance he gets, eh, don't need to buy that.
2: If you throw enough darts, they're going to land somewhere. But the point for round three goes to... <clears throat> New York Rick. It's two to one. Nicely done. All right. <laughs> UFC. I- I'm waiting for the music to come, but Casey's not here. So there is no <clears throat> music. So I have to create it myself, but.
0: The Bellator champion series is back in action. Friday, May 17th. Live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ, patchy mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov, and Cedric the best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the US, and visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Dumbay fight here in the US, so make sure you don't miss it.
2: The UFC is back at Orlando, Florida this Saturday. Fun card. We got some storylines. We got fans. We got a solid main event. We got some big names. We got some interesting names spread throughout the card. UFC Orlando, Jed Mishu. You tell it like it is. How do you like this fight night offering for the UFC as a whole?
3: I'm so torn, Mike. Because (laughs) this is one of their better fight night cards of the whole year. Like... Like London. It was like the first London show was probably top to bottom, still better. And certainly what happened afterwards was better. But I mean, this is these are what we hope fight night cards will be, right? Like this is the this is it. This is a hits. We somehow have tied to Ivas on this fighting Sergey Pavlovich. I don't understand how that fight is is here when that fight is better than like almost all of the the pay-per-view fights next weekend. But like this is a <clears throat> a great fight night card it is also 15 fist fights and this is not like a noon or start time like this is so many fights and it doesn't seem necessary to watch 15 fist fights on a saturday you could just have fewer and i don't even know like it's hard even to even cut because so, there's so many good fights but like I don't know, could we have taken some of the dope fights on this card and replaced some of the trash ass fights on like the last 4 fight nights and just spaced out quality instead of throwing 15 of them on this one? Like I don't so it's hard because I from a nuts and bolts standpoint, I love this fight card. It's a great fight card. Everything, almost every fight is relevant or has a relevant name or there's a story, there's there's purpose, there's intention to this fight card. I am guaranteeing that I will be tired of it by hour four. Like, there's just no way that when I'm on, and absolutely no disrespect to Michael Johnson, Mark Diakese. Michael Johnson has been in the UFC 100 years. Mark Diakese finally looks like he might be, might have started to put something together uh, to fulfill the promise that we thought he had. It's a very quality fight. But I've already seen six other fights beforehand. I've got another eight to go after you. It is just an overwhelming Amount of content that's gonna lull like you can't build infinitely with this many fights, so it's a B because of the length. If it wasn't, this is an A, A plus fight night card. Like it, it's there's there's also a lot of old folks on this one too. Like low key, a lot of old guys maybe getting put out to pasture in this. This particular fight night card, so that gives me a little bit of pause. But in general, it's good. It's just long.
2: Rick, your thoughts? Card, so gentlemen. Gonna-
1: I'm going to answer your question. No, we cannot spread the good fights from this card across the last four cards because those are at the Apex and they don't have to sell tickets, and this one is not, and they have to sell tickets. Dude, Nico Price
3: ain't selling tickets to
1: this Doesn't matter. Well, maybe isn't he local, but either way. Put um, his
3: ass on a fight night in the Apex, and that is fine.
1: We're going to continue to get trash Apex cards and and the ticketed uh, events in a city like Orlando are going to be the ones that are stacked like this. This is trite. This is cliche, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, this fight night's fine, but we're so starved for good fights that we're overrating this card. It's fine. It's good. A few years ago, it would be just a normal everyday fight night. I know we're living in a different reality now. That's why it's trite. That's why it's cliche. But I just can't. Like, I've been watching MMA for long enough that I just can't get excited about a card just because everything else is anemic. It just, it's fine. I'm not that excited. It's great. I love Kevin Holland. He's he's like one of my guys. I love Kevin Holland, but like this card's fine. I'm not I'm not that pumped. C, C plus, B minus. That that's it. That's all I got to say. I respect it.
2: Hey, listen, C plus, B minus. It is what it is because UFC 282 is, C is obviously plus, an A plus. The UFC
3: has, has flunked a lot of fight night cards this <laughs> week. this this year. Is all I'm saying. Which that's totally a reasonable. Position to have. That
1: might be my position. Yeah. That That's reasonable.
3: I'm just saying they have failed a lot of fight night cards this week at this C.
2: Last thing, real quick 60 seconds or less. New York, Rick, we'll go <coughs> to you. Steven Thompson versus Kevin Holland. I dig the booking. Wonderboy is a pretty big name still. Holland is obviously a very popular name. He's looking to make some moves at 170. Your thoughts on the matchup, but more importantly, the stakes involved here. What are these guys fighting for?
1: Yeah. I mean, for Holland, I don't think unless Holland could go on a run, there's really not stakes in any of his fights uh, because he's so willing to fight anybody at any time. The Hamza Shamayev booking the most recent example of that. Just he will take any fight, any time, any circumstances, which makes it very hard to build momentum um, and also to have stakes, right? Because you're going to lose a lot of those when when you're just willing to fill in at any opportunity um so his fights don't really have stakes he's just a a, a very reliable headliner who's going to talk really well and put on a good show um but there's not really implications because he's going to win some he's going to lose some he's really not going to go on a streak unless he's a little more careful with his career as far as wonder boy man this could be it this could like at a certain point there you have to look at the performances and feel like maybe this is not the level I should be fighting at. And when I say it, I don't necessarily mean done career over maybe he doesn't want to fight outside the ufc uh, but i think somebody like wonder boy could, could do well with a change of scenery if he can't get this one done against kevin holland uh, maybe ufc level competition is is not for him um and somewhere like the pfl or bellator or anywhere else um might be something more interesting uh i know he has like some kind of ambassador relationship with karate combat maybe it's there um i'm just thinking outside the box here uh but i don't think that if he drops this one uh we need to see wonder boy against Elite UFC welterweights anymore. I'm I'm kind of over that. If he if he can't get this one done,
2: Jed, where are you at with this? What's at stake for these guys?
3: Um, I mean, I guess something is at stake here. Certainly for Kevin Holland, this would be a big win for him. Get him into the rankings at welterweight if he's not already, uh, and he can start trying to make a run. You know, up that division as best he can. Uh, for Thompson, if he loses, he's done like, he's just, he, his time is a, I mean, I, I believe his time as a title challenger is done anyway, but this really seals it up. And then you're left in the, okay, uh, fight Robbie Lawler kind of do the veteran guy. Who's been around circuit of fights. If you're staying in the UFC or, uh, I don't know, man, but, uh, that fight with Sadabu and Delano Taylor was horrifically bad. And I got to feel like Steven Thompson can look at that and say, I mean, I have my fastball, but I could probably win a PFL welterweight championship with my changeup. Like I could probably pull that one off still. Uh, so maybe that's just looks, looks at the big bag of money. Cause it's getting old. It's like 40 or almost. And it says, I need to make one last run to really fill my pockets, fill the coffers, get ready for what comes next. And maybe that could be it for him. But if he loses this, he's he is either going to be a scalp that they feed to young, up-and-coming talent, or if he refuses to to play that role, then he's just going to fight like Robbie Lawler next. Like, that will be the next fight for him, which is fine. It's, a, it's not the worst fight I've ever heard of. All right. Well.
2: The point Boom. for round four- Goes to Jed Bashu. It is two to two. Ba-na-na-na-na. That means we go to the knockout round. One question decides it all. The poll is already up. Vote for who you think wins this battle between Jed Bishu and New York Rick. Vote in the poll right now. Jed, do you want to go first? Or do you want to sure. pass it over to New York
3: Rick? I've been going first. Let's keep that train alive.
2: All right. So the first thing I'm going to have you do, Jed, is pick a number between one and five. Um, Four. Number four. All right. So... We're going to play a fun game because <laughs> Love fun Nate, Nate Diaz is a free agent officially. He is no longer on the UFC roster. He is free to talk to anybody he wants. And what we're going to do for the next couple of minutes is you're each going to play the role of a promoter to try to entice Nathan Diaz to come to your organization. And Jed Mishu, you have chosen the man who puts on fights that billions and billions and billions
3: I knew and that billions I would somehow get them. Billions
2: dude. of people watch all the time. You are representing one championship. You are Chatri Tong. Knew one minute on the me. clock.
3: Go. Oh man, I knew that I would. I knew when you said this it was like somehow I'm going to end up being Chatri, which is the one I would the least <laughs> like to be. Uh Nate. Let's let me level with you. Sure, the UFC are awful and uh, the PFL can offer you a million dollars and Bellator will just give you the keys to the kingdom. Cause what do they care? And there's, what we can offer you um, is weight classes that pretty loose on enforcement. So you just kind of do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> Singapore is a great place. Lovely, lovely area. We've got a new deal with Amazon uh, that you can, you can join us with. And more importantly, Fifteen uh, seconds. Nobody in our company is a star. God, we've tried, and they have none of them have succeeded. <laughs> you can be the only guy that people will matter, and when we five put seconds. you up on Amazon Prime during Thursday night football, people will say, "Hell yeah!" and tune in. So we will give you all the money. That's all I got for you, bud.
2: There you go. All right, New York, Rick. One picking up between one and f- one and five. Four is off the table. Three. Number three. Oh, okay. By the way, number one was Scott Coker. Number two was Dana White. Number five was Dave Feldman from BKFC.
3: Oh, that's the good one.
2: So, New York Rick, you are Don Davis or Ray Sefo or somebody from the Professional Fighters League trying to entice Nathan Diaz to join your organization. One minute on the clock. Go.
1: Uh, Let me start by saying how happy I am to be here. Um, this is me, New York Rick. Um, it's been an honor, Jed. Um, thank, thank you so much for for this opportunity, Mike. You're the best. Thank you for having me. Uh, switching now, my Don Davis cap. I'm gonna don that. Uh, pun intended. Um, <laughs> thanks for taking a meeting with us, Nate. Uh, as you can see from our very successful first foray into pay per view, we're trying to get into that business. Um, and put on the biggest fights that people want to watch. So we're not interested in a tournament. We're interested in partnering with you and Real Fight Inc. We're interested in doing PFL, X Real Fight Inc. Yourself, Chris Avila, anybody else you want on this card is going to be on a pay-per-view card presented by PFL and Real Fight Inc. Um, And whatever opponent you're looking for, we're going to break the bank to get that opponent. So let's do something, whether it be boxing, MMA, grappling, I'm not particularly uh, picky about what it's going to be. You make the terms, you tell me what you want to do, and I'll open the coffers, and we'll get it done. Thank you so much, Nate. Thank you. Truly. An honor.
2: I mean, beautiful job. Alright, get your votes in. You got 10 seconds to get your votes in, alright? I'm closing the poll. You got 10 seconds. 10, 9, we can't 8, see the best 7, one we get. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, or Bellator. One. Bellator is the easiest pitch. All right, the poll is ended. Wow. Incredible.
3: Incredible. All right. So the winner.
2: Come from behind win. Drummond. With fifty percent of the votes, just over fifty percent.
3: Did, was there a third option? No. So how are you the winner with 50%? Because
2: there is an uneven amount of, there is an
3: odd oh, amount okay. of voters. Oh, uh, okay. So the like winner 50. is... The winner
2: is... New yeah! York, Rick! Gets it done! By the slimmest of margins. When I hit end poll, Jed Mishu had 53% of the vote. And when the poll wrapped up, New York Rick ended up slightly ahead. New York Rick, congratulations! What would you like to say?
1: Uh, again, I'd like to thank you, Mike, for having me. It's always a pleasure. Truly, um, I relish this opportunity. Jed, I mean, you're just a legend of this game. It was an honor to go against you. I have to disagree with the with the voting public here. Just don't know what they were thinking. No, quite frankly, like a really a really poor showing by them. But that's natural. Like they they tend to get these wrong. Um, so I'm not going to be too hard on them, but, you know, do better next time, people, because, you know, Jed Je really brought it. Um, and yeah, just stay positive out there, people. Life's beautiful. What a, what a, what a wonderful day. What, what a great day to be alive. Great day. Um, we got UFC Orlando coming up. We've 15. got Tyson Fury boxing. What's better than this? Like, how lucky are we? We get paid to do this. I mean, it's, it's just tremendous. I, I've, got, I've got only love and appreciation for everybody. So thank you so much. Um, it's, it's always a pleasure to be on.
3: Man makes great points.
1: Yes, great points. We'd
2: love to hear. We'd love to hear more from you, Jed. But uh, hey, we, we got
3: we got places to go. And I the lost, best. and I deserve to lose. So,
2: well, listen. You are a winner in our books, a winner in our hearts. Tomorrow, back at it. We'll have the UFC Orlando weigh-ins. We'll be streaming it live. We'll have heck of a morning. We'll have a UFC Orlando preview show. It's gonna be a very busy day, everybody. So until then. And one champ, trick, one on Prime. What? Yes. One on Prime, nobody Video knows. Five. Nobody knows. For the Dutch Knight! And he the hitter! Jed, I am Mike X. Thanks for watching. We'll see you back next week in Between Links. Good night, everybody.
3: Love you guys.
2: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast
0: Network.